Hello, fellow hunker downers. How y'all doing? That is a homage to the great Leslie Jordan, whose Instagram page got us through the pandemic. He tragically passed away this past week, and we will miss him. But welcome to the weekly science podcast, which today happens to fall on Halloween. Speaking of Halloween, you want to hear something scary? 90% of people with autism have GI problems, which can be fatal. Doctors don't even need don't even know how to treat them or diagnose them. Autistic families are still experiencing disproportional effect on social distancing in the pandemic. The average wait time for a diagnosis is eight months. I could go on and on and on. However, this, pro- this podcast isn't about problems. It's about solutions. And one problem and question we get a lot is whether or not children with autism should be exposed to a bilingual environment. And if speaking two languages at home is deleterious or would delay normal language development. I've heard this question directly and also through many groups I belong in that help infants and children as they learn to speak and communicate. And so I think it's worth highlighting some new data that talks about the benefits or not benefits of being bilingual. So there's been some research in the area and the overwhelming resounding findings were do not resist or hesitate to expose your child, autistic or not, to multiple languages in the home or daycare or school if needed. In a commentary to a recent article in the journal Autism, the editors comment that this question around bilingualism addresses scientific questions about how language develops in autism, but also addresses worries that parents have about allowing their child to be exposed to different languages at home or in school. Out of fear, sometimes parents and practitioners say they only use one language. There's data out there that say that this is not true. Don't just use one language. Of course, use one if you know one, but you don't have to. We should continue to collect and share data that looks at bilingualism and whether or not the language that parents speak at home, their native language, how that helps or doesn't help or enhances or doesn't enhance the abilities of an autistic child. But in those who are able to use verbal language, how would learning two languages provide some sort of advantage? Does it help bilingual kids with things like executive functioning or working memory? If considering the language of another person when they're speaking it and then speaking that language and then communicating in that modality requires some sort of skill, is that skill there in people with autism and is it preserved? And how does it make them different? And how does this link to language in general? Some but not all of those questions were answered in the past couple weeks. Let's start with how being bilingual can enhance cognition or different forms of cognition in people with autism. The cognition question is difficult because there are people with ASD who have moderate or even exceptional cognitive abilities and those who have an intellectual impairment or a disability. Or there's people that have exceptional cognitive abilities in one area and intellectual impairment in another area. This particular study looked at a school in Greece. So the autistic kids were either monolingual or bilingual. They either just spoke Greek or they spoke Greek and some other language. The question asks, does bilingualism underlie intellectual profiles in autism and does socioeconomic status play a role? Because socioeconomic status or SES definitely plays a role in cognitive functioning in other kids. The higher the socioeconomic status, the better the language and the better the IQ, at least historically in the literature. 
The first sentence of the discussion made a caveat I think it's made during every autism study is that autism is clearly heterogeneous. This study argues that intelligence as a proxy for cognitive function might be a particular subtype. In many cases, though, and this is through the literature, individuals with autism can show high IQ on some measures and lower IQ on other measures. And this is typically a high performance IQ, but a lower verbal IQ. Some have said this actual difference could be a predictor of autism, but I'm not sure it's that clear cut. This difference in verbal versus performance IQ is not always replicable or seen everywhere, but it is seen in some individuals. So while there are issues with language and the ability to understand language or express language, things like visuospatial intellectual abilities can remain intact. This is performance IQ. So there are people with autism who have deficits in both of these areas. In this study, they did not look at those without autism. They just looked at monolingual kids with autism versus bilingual kids with autism and looked at their IQ differences in different domains. As groups in terms of different IQs, of course, it wasn't clear cut. So they had to group them into different categories. So you had those that were, say, high performance IQ and low verbal IQ or high performance and verbal IQ, or average performance and verbal IQ, or low performance and verbal IQ. So some were higher on performance IQ and lower on verbal IQ. Some were average on both. And who belonged to what cluster? Were monolingual kids more likely to be in the groups that had deficits across the board? Did bilingualism change this? Well, as it turns out, those were who were bilingual were more likely to be in the group that had average verbal and nonverbal abilities. And so they showed a slight advantage over those who are monolingual. But it's simply not that simple. It's simply not that simple. Socioeconomic status also had a huge role. The role of bilingualism boosted the effects of verbal and nonverbal intellectual or cognitive skills only in low SES children. By the time the kids were of high SES and had higher IQ scores anyway, the effects of having knowledge of a second language didn't really matter as much. So high SES may be a compensatory mechanism in monolingual children, but that boost of being bilingual added to intellectual ability in those who were low SES. It's not simple. That's what it is. Can we change SES? I wish it were that simple. The answer is no. And we can't even encourage autistic children from low SES households to become bilingual. That's just not practical. But we can encourage parents who are bilingual to continue to be bilingual in the home. I'm not suggesting anyone go out and learn a new language, that's for sure. There's another type of cognitive functioning under consideration for bilingual effects. It's called executive functioning. Executive functioning is a broad set of capacities that include things like ability to attend, ability to Im inhibit impulses, and flexibly manipulate information. It enables us to plan, remember, and juggle multiple tasks. Think about planning and executing a set of errands each day that may change every day and may be changed versus the demands of each day. Because being bilingual or having dual language ability sometimes requires some of these skills, like 
you have to be flexible in the understanding of the language being spoken. You have to switch to a different language and a different set of language rules, words, and vocabularies. So do people with autism, if they're bilingual, still have these executive function abilities because people with who are monolingual don't tend to have them. So they used a measure that includes abilities to shift attention, to initiate tasks, to plan, to organize, and to monitor. They also looked at parent education, which is kind of a proxy for socioeconomic status. They also looked at race, and they did notice some trends, which I'm not sure are important, but I'll mention them. Most white people were monolingual, and most Asian Americans were bilingual, and Latinx was about half and half. So as you would have expected from the first study I mentioned, low socioeconomic status predicted a low verbal IQ. Okay. Interestingly, being dual language or being bilingual was associated with also having a lower verbal IQ. Hmm. However, dual language did improve specific executive functioning, specifically on flexibility and working memory, organizing and self-monitoring with the biggest effect on cognitive flexibility. And this was even after controlling for socioeconomic status. The parents also reported fewer unusual behaviors, although that kind of needs replication. That's kind of a novel finding. But this is another study that shows that being bilingual or having dual language abilities may be beneficial. You want to hear another study about evidence of the benefits of being bilingual? Again, I'm not saying every parent needs to go out and learn a new language. I'm saying that in bilingual households, keep up the teaching of both languages. There seems to be some fear of bilingual households and teaching languages and language development. There really shouldn't be. Okay, so this study is from our Canadian friends who are conducting a longitudinal study from ages two all the way to the teenage years called Pathways in Autism. The data I'm about to present was collected when they were about nine. So the advantage of this study was that some of the kids happened to come from bilingual households and some from monolingual households. There wasn't a separate group collected. It was an inclusive study that included, that looked at differences within the samples, whatever their language exposure was at home. So they looked at different types of language. One was narrative language. This is the ability of a child to tell a story and recall that story from a wordless picture book. And within that, there's microstructure and macrostructure. Microstructure is like how many words do they have? Do they have a diversity of vocabulary? Macrostructure is like, did the study, did the, did the story make any sense when they repeated it? Did it have a beginning, middle, and end? Because, you know, Kids can use all sorts of language and have all sorts of words, but when they put them together, they make no sense. So that's what microstructure and macrostructure looks at. They also looked at pragmatic language. This is spoken language. So, of course, this is limited to people who can speak, who, what, who when they're presented with a short scenario that contains non-literal language, the kids actually had to explain the meaning as well as infer the meaning when some information was missing. They also looked at social skills and intellectual disability. So when it came to this narrative thing, overall telling of the story, there were no differences between the monolingual kids and the bilingual kids. They were just as proficient. And that included microstructure and macrostructure. There was also no difference in social abilities. However, there was a slight advantage for kids who are bilingual on pragmatic language. 
This depended, of course, on the language exposure they received. So this means that you need to receive balanced exposure of both languages, whatever they were. If you received balanced exposure on both languages, the trend was to have a stronger performance of non-literal language abilities. So these non-literal language abilities are things that require a little bit of interpretation. And these are things that people with autism tend to have a little problem with. So it's similes like, I slept like a log last night, or I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. Those who are more balanced bilinguals or spend equal time speaking or hearing each language, either at home or at school, those were the ones that were able to have better non-literal language ability. And you might expect this because the more they're exposed to different languages at home and the more they have to switch frequently from one language to another, and requ it requires the use of that executive functioning skills, which I just mentioned. It means that they can inhibit the production of some language and execute the, the production of other languages. And that includes, it can also kind of help with literal meaning and allow people to think more flexibly about the non-literal meaning. You know, every language has its little differences and its little nuances, which is why straight translation doesn't work all the time. So having dual languages may be able to kind of help with this skill of better understanding non-literal language. So what does this mean for parents? Again, this does not mean go out and learn another language, please. Spend your time and your effort not learning a new language and spending all that time teaching it to your autistic child, but support the other skills that they have and come naturally and that they're interested in that you can help foster. But if you're bilingual, it should be encouraged. Speak bilingually at home. Use different languages. It's not an all or nothing thing. The balance of bilingualism is more important than occasionally saying, hola, senor, to your kid once a week. Continue to be bilingual. Continue to use those native languages. But please don't feel obligated to go out and learn Italian. Thanks for listening this week. And again, for those bilingual parents, keep up the good work. For monolingual parents, keep doing a great job because you guys are all superstars. Thanks for listening.